And Jezebel says to Elijah, I'm going to kill you. This great man of God, this spiritual giant, the one that has literally witnessed a miracle in real time, fire falls from heaven. The one who stands against 850 false prophets by himself, takes them out, restores order, now finds himself on the run. What's he on the run from? Which army's coming? He's on the run from the words of one woman. Who says, I'm going to take you out. Now, now, don't get it twisted. Jezebel was a cold piece. I mean, she was wicked. She was mischievous. She was devious. She was sinister. She was ungodly. She was unruly. She was wretched. She was ratchet. She was all of the above. And he says, she says, tell him I'm going to kill him by this time tomorrow. This man watches fire fall from heaven, goes on the run for his life. In fact, the Bible says he comes to Beersheba, he tells his servant to remain there, and he goes by himself. He's now isolated. He goes under a juniper tree, finds a juniper tree, and just sits there. Now watch, watch the B-side. The A side was earlier on when fire came from him. Watch the B side. He says, God, it's been a tough day. Here's what I want you to do for me. Would you bless me? How do you want me to bless you, Elijah? Bless me by killing me. The man that secured through the power of God this victory for all of Israel stood boldly, watched a miracle now, not long after, is standing in that place or sitting in that place under a juniper tree with suicidal ideation. Where is room for that? For today's leadership. Where is room for that? For believers today. Man, listen, we would have canceled Elijah because his witness appeared to be inconsistent. We would have canceled him because he stood in victory and now his faith wavers. The one that watched the hand of God is now on the B side saying, here, I, I, I'm depressed. Do me a favor. Just kill me. He's not the only one. If you remember back when Moses, God used Moses to deliver the people from Israel or Egypt, he took them in the wilderness in circles. They complained nonstop. Moses just got tired of it. Moses prays to God. Listen to this prayer. This is real prayer. That stuff y'all do in church, that ain't all, that's A side prayer. We bless you, Holy Father, in the name of Jesus. We call your glory down and all that. That's beautiful. There's a place for that. That is A-side prayer. I'm going to do a class called B-side prayer. Your real raw prayer. You know, I'm so 
A, B side. Now, listen, when people ask me to bless the food, I'm like, man, listen, I don't even talk to God like I talk to God in front of y'all. <laughs> I'm like, I'm off the clock. Y'all bless the food. No, I'm just, sometimes B side. So I start talking to God like I talk to God, you know, you may not look at me as pastoral anymore. Hallelujah, the mind of God. Listen to this prayer, B-side. Moses says, Lord, these people won't stop complaining. They will not stop complaining. Here's what I want you to do, Lord. Bless me. How can I bless you, Moses? Kill me. <laughs> Listen, if you've never had complaining people around you for a long time, <laughs> you don't understand Moses. But pastoring, <laughs> I sympathize with Moses. Because you do your best work. You know what I mean? Like y'all saw the Red Seas parted. But where's our meat? What are we having for lunch? Aunts, that's why I shouldn't have come with him. No credit for the Red Seas? In the manna from heaven? No, we want meat. Y'all ain't got steak up in here? Oh, man, I knew I should. I'm going to church around the corner. Your kids, I mean, you come home, you're just so glad to give them, you know, what you secured for them. And in your mind, you have how it's all going to play out, how they're just going to cry. Thank you, the best mother and father. Like, they didn't have a bigger one. You're like, you know what, right now? Moses said, I'm so tired. Listen, listen, if you haven't been here, you don't realize that complaining can wear you so low. Like, Lord, I just don't want to hear another. It wasn't a threat of death. Any of that. He's like, I just want to die because it would be more peaceful. I don't have to hear any more complaining. He says the same thing. Listen, watch this. Kill me. Here Elijah says, kill me, Lord. Suicidal ideation. Moses says, kill me, Lord. And how did he say that in, at this moment? How could he conclude that at this moment, as we look at him, he's just watched on the A side, God do supernatural miracles, call fire from heaven. Now he's on the B side, the, not long after, asking that God take his life. And as we look at this, most of us can, would conclude that it is, he's a contradiction. Contradiction. wonder if anybody in this place, if you'll be honest, <laughs> has ever felt like a contradiction? Nobody on this side. Let's try this side. Is there anybody here that has ever watched, I mean, you opened up your mouth and had the wisdom for someone to help their situation and you couldn't apply it to yourself? Well, you gave somebody the, fine, the, the, the profound financial advice that they needed, but you don't have the discipline to stay out of credit card debt? Well, you are the one they called over to fix their marriage, and you went home and couldn't see eye to eye with your spouse. And after that moment, you start to feel like a contradiction. Has anyone ever felt like a contradiction where what you truly did, it's validated on the A side. That was really God, but and that was you in partnership with God, but now that you're on the B side, it's still you, but your B side doesn't match up to your A side, and you're the same individual. 
If there's anything that'll take your authority, if there's anything that'll take your voice, if there's anything that'll take you and make you run from the call as opposed to running into the call, run from the challenge as opposed to running, uh, run away from the challenge as opposed to running to the challenge, it's feeling like a contradiction. And when you're here like Elijah, the enemy will make sure that your B-side plays on constant rotation. You hear that you're a failure. Now, he just watched fire fall from heaven, but notice what he says. He says, I'm no different than all my fathers. I'm just like them. There is no record of his, his fathers doing anything like what he just witnessed God do through him. Yet, for the threat of Jezebel in his mind on the B-side was playing over and over in his mind are the doubts are the fears. His self-worth is lowered. The enemy will ensure that this plays on the B-side whenever there is a contradiction. When you move from mountaintop experience to the valley, you have to guard your ears. Particularly when you've isolated yourself and you're alone, the enemy will always make sure that self-doubt plays. You go from that glorious experience and become a grasshopper in your own sight. Because you can't reconcile. How could I be the one to bring about deliverance on this side, but I'm the one who needs deliverance on the B side? And I'm the same person. I know what it is to feel at times along the journey like a contradiction. I don't like that phrase. True, in fact, it may be a contradiction. True, in fact, that my pattern may be inconsistent. I may find myself on a mountaintop, but then find myself in a valley at other times. Yeah, there's an ebb and flow of life, but, I, but life is not static. Life is not as black and white as we made it. Life is not as clean cut as we've tried to serve it up. Are you with me? But life at times is complex. And because life is complex, often my journey is nuanced. The way I see myself from time to time, while there still is a standard, I have to understand there is nuance. So I don't really use the word contradiction as much as I use the word complexity. Yeah. Life is never even for your Bible heroes, as black and white as we interpret it. Yes, there were people that, that wrought significant victories for God, but those same people struggled with whether God would do it again, whether God would be kind again, whether God would be good again, whether God was finished with them forever. For those who have wrestled with contradiction, I want to move you to understanding that you may not be a contradiction because you have an A and a B side, Sometimes it's the complexity of life because there's an ideal. And we find ourselves in between, here it is, the ideal and where that ideal lands in reality. I want you to always remember that. You're always at some juncture in this life. You will never be at a place where there's all A side and no B side. There's often a tension in between ideal and, follow me, reality. 
Um, Y'all uh, been in college courses where you're listening to the professor and you're like, oh, this is real good. I appreciate that, brother. And as he's propounding philosophical mysteries. But after your mind is stimulated, and trust me, I love the formal process. I love education. I'm an ideation person. But all of the ideation does not always settle well into life where there are nuances, where there are challenges, where there are unanticipated variables. That is life. Are you still here with me? As we wrestle through this thing. There is an ideal. There is a standard. I want to be clear about the fact that there is a standard that we don't deviate from. Yet, if we were honest, and listen, y'all look like you don't be honest today, but I don't need you to be. Why? Because I've counseled over the last 22 years hundreds of people knowing that you only saw the ideal but never knew the reality. That's why I said last week we may need to end. You may need to have a listening party with your friends where you don't play the A side this time, but where you play the B side, where you talk about the challenges, where you talk about the struggles, where you talk about the difficulties. Because, listen to me, we are looking at your A side, the ideal, and celebrating that People are aspiring to it, but because you never give the B-side, you have them attempting to hit a standard that you have not hit yourself. And not just you as an individual, as a society, as a church. If we're all playing the A-side of the record, you have people attempting to live a perfect A-side and failing on a regular basis, feeling as if there's a chasm between you and them. But if we could flip that record from time to time, you may not have to give everything to everybody, but you need to let them hear some of the hits or hear some of the struggles, hear some of the challenges that they're not as familiar with so that they'll realize God does not use perfect people, but God uses people with both A and B sides, with both mountains and valleys, who can call fire down from heaven, but also find themselves depressed with suicidal ideation in a cave by themselves. God uses broken, messed up, jacked up people, always has is right now and always will be using them to accomplish his will. All right, look at your neighbor. And it's like tell religious they are. Look at them and tell them flip it. All right, see, now this is, look back at me. Don't linger with that. We need to see the B side. Here he is. Contradiction. Our complexity, listen, it is definitely complexity. It is definitely complexity. How'd he get here? As his ideal and his reality are not meshing. Ideally, he should have faith. Ideally, he should believe, believe in God for the next miracle. But where is he? He's right now depressed under a juniper tree. His reality is that he's frustrated. Reality is usually a combination of meeting the standard and failure. When I say 
reality. Listen to me, and I don't care who you are. You don't scare me. I've talked to people like you when there are no lights on, when there's no crowds. Super saints, reality is a tension between victory and failure, mountains and valleys for the rest of your life. Yes, we grow in grace. Yes, we grow in power. Yes, we grow in spiritual authority. Yes, we get victory over struggles. Yes, 100%. But listen to me, there will always be tension between victories and failures. That is reality. Here's the question. How did Elijah get here? Let's help. How did he get here? How did he go from calling fire from heaven to asking God to kill him in a cave by himself? Probably like us. After a long, draining quarantine, I mean, drought. Elijah probably got here like we did. From the time he says there will be no rain until you turn and repent. What affected the land also affected him. He was not exempt from that. He had to live by faith. He had to trust God. He had to watch, watch wickedness in the land. And his heart was that it would be turned around. So he's holding out hope. In this long Fatiguing drought. He thinks he's the only one that's out here still believing God. I'm sure it wore on him like it wore on everybody else. And he gets to this place where he says, all right, as this can has been kicked down the road further and further like us, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. The longer we have to stay and hoping it's going to change, you're hoping there will be some semblance of normalcy, you're hoping things will go back to what they were. He was hoping that things would be fixed, hoping they would work out. He was tired of the conditions as they were. He was tired of seeing people worn down and dispirited. He was tired of the effects on the economy because of this drought. He was tired of hiding in caves and living on the run. He was tired of being quarantined. And I believe, how does he kill 850 prophets of Baal, takes out 850 enemies, calls fire from heaven, but now he's on the run for one individual, from one little lady with some power? I don't believe that it started there. I believe that it started here. Yeah. Because you can look at the incident, and if you simply look at the incident without observing the journey, you will falsely label people and misdiagnose their circumstance. If you look at the incident, what's the incident? That he is in a cave depressed with suicidal ideation. What's the incident? That they got caught up. 
kissing somebody that was not theirs? What is the incident that they blew their finances and they messed up after telling you what you need to do with your finances? What is the incident that they were a, a deacon and they sang on the praise team but had moments of human frailty? What is the incident? We often as a church and religious community see an incident and evaluate the incident without understanding the journey that got someone to the incident. And if you don't understand the journey that got them to the incident, you'll misdiagnose the incident. You'll call them weak. You'll call them a contradiction. But you don't understand there's a complexity. Yes, that's below the standard. Yes, that's not God's best for their life. But please never judge the incident without observing the journey. Because he was where he was, not from the incident, I believe, but from the journey. What's the journey? Believing any day would be the day now things would turn around. Any day would be the day now things would change. Any day would be the day now that we would have an understanding. Any day would be the day now that things would work out. Any day would be the day now that God's will would prevail and the enemy's will would fail. Any day now, I would go from hiding in caves and running from my life to boldly being able to go to the grocery store again and to go back into society again any day now. This is all going to change and it comes to a crescendo and there's an expectation that if I win this duel, this battle between God and evil, as I call down fire from heaven, that will certainly be enough to turn my circumstance around, to rectify everything, only to find that his day after the miracle, he expected to change everything was actually worse than the day before. It was not just Jezebel that had him in a cave. It was I did my best, but I guess my best wasn't good enough. That's Ace, are you with me? I did my best. I expected things to turn around, and things did not turn around the way I expected them to turn around. Lord, I ain't got nothing left. I have nothing else to give. There are no more tricks up my sleeve. What are you going to do more than causing fire to come down from heaven? If that didn't change this, nothing will. Can never judge the pit someone is in, the cave someone is in, the juniper tree someone is under without knowing their journey to that place because you will grossly misunderstand what has them there. Yeah, every divorce is not the same. Every mistake is not the same. Every bad financial decision is not the same. Every cuss word you hear out of someone's mouth is not the same. You just came around the corner and heard them cussing like a sailor, not knowing that they've been suffering for 20 years, and you just happened to catch the moment where, like an eruption, they couldn't hold it in anymore and they gave somebody that work. I don't judge the incident. I judge the journey. And I don't tell anybody about their incident until I walk with them to understand their journey. Somebody didn't get there because they're ratchet. Somebody got there because they were molested at five years old. Somebody didn't get there because they are dishonorable to God. Somebody got there because they had an uncle that used to touch them their entire lives. Somebody didn't get there because of what you've seen. 
They journeyed. God, I wish I could have had time to work this. They journeyed. They journeyed. And if you don't know how long the journey was, if you don't know how fatiguing the journey was, if you don't know how stressful the journey was, if you don't know how that journey day by day wore them thin, yes, you haven't been through what they've been through. Their journey started just like your journey where they were ready to seize the day full of faith. Don't you dare. You've been in the sun one day with no miles under your belt. Don't look at somebody because you're on your A side and they're on their B side. You don't know how long it took for them to go from the A side to the B side. Don't look at them in your season of victory down from your mountain at them in their valley. They've been walking this thing out trying to be faithful to the Lord for 10 years. You're just getting started. Are you still here with me? Know the journey before you judge the destination. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what people are saying when they say we're hypocrites. They're not saying what we think they're saying. They're saying, y'all act like there ain't no journey. Y'all act like there's no bodies on you. Y'all act like there's no B-side. And when you do find something, we, you just changed last week. Stop coming over here trying to judge me. You should come over here and say, listen, I know you're on the B-side. I, I got a B-side too. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what I went through. Let let me tell you the hell I had to fight up off me. Let me tell you how I broke that thing. Let me tell you how long and how hard it is. But if you stay with God, he can take you from the B side back to the A side. That's the kind of people the world needs. Not the people that judge your B side, but the people that not only understand your journey, but whatever took you there. Say, I'm going to journey your butt back to the will of God. I'm going to journey with you back to a place of wholeness and deliverance. Hallelujah. 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 I'm not supposed to get stuck right here. I don't know. I didn't happen. This didn't happen in the first service. I'm stuck right here for somebody who needs to know your journey is not over. Someone who needs to know you need to play the B-side for somebody in your life right now because they're on the verge of giving up. They're on the verge of quitting. They're in their juniper tree moment, and your B-side will deliver them and put them back on the right track. It is not always the A-side that inspires Sometimes the A side uh, inspires you to do better when you have the strength. But it's knowing the B side that snatches you up off your feet when you have no more strength and lets you know you can still make it. Oh, God, I feel like preaching this. I have any A side and B side saints. Expectation. In reality, you have to question somebody's destination until you understand the journey. Elijah had a long journey here. It wasn't just what we saw overnight. It was a journey, a fatiguing journey that left him here. How did he get here? We talked about it. question is, once you're here, how do you get back? Once you're here in a cave, what do you do? Because somebody's on your B-side under the juniper tree, and you don't even know how to get back. 
Today's I. I think I may save that for next week. Just give you a few things that you need while you're stuck on the B side. Number one, if you're on the B side, realize that you're in good company. Because everybody, everybody has a B-side that they have not played for you yet. I shared last week, my friend Ty Rogers, when he would leave off a stage in Hillsong or he'd speak to thousands of people, tens of thousands of people. At conferences, they would come up to him and say, you changed my life. I'll never be the same. And his answer was always the same. Sometimes I, I say thank you. Sometimes I say pray for me. I just get mixed up. Sometimes I just now just say thank you. But Ty had something very interesting. After every compliment, he would say, I'm just so glad God doesn't tell you everything he knows about me. He was not lowering the standard. They just saw his A-side. What he was doing is closing the gap because he understood the tendency of humanity is to look at people's highlight reels and feel insufficient because that is all that they're able to witness. And what Sai would do is let them know that though you see my highlight reel, there is also stuff about me that would cause you to look at me differently if you knew. You would marvel the same way, or you may marvel and realize now the gap is closed, and even though you have brokenness in your life, God can still use you in the way that you saw him use me. If you're in a cave on the B side, you're in good company. But number two, when you're in the cave on the B side, give yourself grace. Yeah, give yourself grace. Room for your humanity. No matter how strong you were the day or the moment before. It is not lowering the standard, but it is reframing the way we understand the mission. Make no mistake about it. North is always north. Right is always right. And for the record, God is always right. Every time I get into trouble in my life, is when I'm too smart for God. I have a new path, a new way. Not a new way of looking at what God said and expanding my theological framework, but when I have a way that is in opposition or in tension with God's way that I choose for myself, assuming that there will be beneficial outcomes. Listen, save yourself some time. God is always right. But the challenge is, while God is right and the standard is right, in the same way that north is always north, the journey has got to consider that there is ideal and there is humanity constantly navigating, keeping me moving toward what is right. The same way boats, when they have the proper compass, move toward the north. 
But the challenge is, we are not motorboats. Yeah. We don't travel in linear fashion and power through all of the elements without being affected by them, without our humanity being affected by them, without our mind being affected by, by it. We talk about Christians changing the culture. Well, the only challenge is that, is that we're influenced by the same culture we're trying to change. How do you change what is also shaping you? That's for another time. Here's how. It is never while there is a standard, an objective standard that's always right and always north, it is never a linear line like a motorboat. You cannot motorboat through this experience, but it is more like a sailboat. A sailboat has to take into consideration that north is north and they still head north, but they've got to head north in partnership with the winds and the waves. And that's why while motorboats go in linear fashion, they stay on the A-side. Motorboats are linear. The only motorboat that I know of with a straight path who was born and never deviated to the left or to the right from God's plan, there is only one that I know of. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Rose of Sharon. He is the Lily of the Valley. He is the wheel in the middle of the wheel. Does anybody know his name? I just had to do that for my church folks real quick. The only one that has ever traveled in linear fashion is the Messiah, Jesus. But as long as we are alive in this world, while we travel toward north, we know north is north. We don't travel in a linear fashion like a motorboat. We travel like a sailboat. Because as we're being affected by the culture and the things we change, we're being pulled and prompted and aided by the Holy Spirit to move toward the direction that God has for us. Sailboats don't travel perfectly linear. They travel in a circuitous pattern. They move forward, but as the wind blows, they got to figure out how the strong gusts are managed, how the waves are managed and so they don't travel straight but they get to where they're going ultimately in zigzag fashion I'm moving north but sometimes I'm moving north on my a side but then other times I'm moving north and you may catch a little my B side and I want you to know up front I ain't Jesus I want you to know up front, I know I'm not a motorboat. I want you to know up front that he that began a great work in me shall perform it. I'm going to get there. I promise you I'm going to get there. It is destined that I'm going to get there. It is prophesied that I'm going to get there. It is guaranteed that I'm going to get there because I'm not doing this in my own works. I'm doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not doing this because I stay on my A side. I'm doing this because God doesn't just see my A side and B side side anymore. Every time God gets ready to look at my B-side, Jesus goes back through the record and says, God, it's only A-side. I know that you can see their mistakes, but count my righteousness for them. Are you still here with me? Because I'll be zigzagging. But no, I'm going to get there. 
You may get there before me. I may get there after you. But I promise you, the one that saved me, the one that delivered me, the one that healed me, the one that brought me into the faith will ensure that what he started, he will finish. Oh, I'm going to get there. It may take me a little longer, but I will get to my destination. We got to go. But look at somebody tell them, don't judge my zigzag. And I won't judge yours. Because you got some zigzag. <laughs> Somebody said, literally, right here, right now. <laughs> Come on, confess your B side, man. It's cool. We good. <laughs> Let's get out of here. I was, um, I was, I was, it was, it was, it was like the, the, the height of the pandemic, and I was frustrated, I was stressed out. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was over everything. I mean, everybody was over everything. It was that time where everybody was upset. It was a time where the grocers would bag your groceries and throw them in sideways, put your cans on top of your eggs and bread, hand you the bag and not even say thanks for coming. I mean, everybody was frustrated. Everybody was upset. Everybody was cussing in traffic. I mean, everybody, they would go to Chipotle and they wouldn't even fold your burritos right. They would fold one side tight and the other side would be loose. It was one of those days where it was just frustration everywhere. And I was in the grocery store. Now, if I, if I do something on the road that deserves it, I'm like a football player who drops the pass. I, my bad, man. I'm my bad. But when, when I don't do anything wrong, I have a challenge with people that go over the top and come for me. And so I was in this parking lot, and I'm driving. Don't judge me, B-side. I was driving, and I had my gospel music on. The sun was shining. The Lord was faithful. And I pulled out of the parking lot and got ready to turn left. Well, I guess I wasn't going slow below the speed limit, but I guess that was too slow for the guy that was coming up behind me. And I'm a person, I'm already hyperly sensitive. I have sensory overload. I have to get away from stuff to get my peace back. Are you with me? I, for all y'all with the loud Harleys, I like Harley enough to hear, for oncoming traffic to hear. But I never understood why people just take their whole muffler off and pierce everybody's ears until they're bleeding as they drive down the street. You heard a couple today as I'm trying to record this message. It's going through the walls and penetrating into this message so that people at home, the viewing audience, has the beauty of hearing somebody's Harley. Now, that's another psychological conversation about what they're compensating for, but that is not for today. I just don't like a lot of noise. And so as I'm, I'm driving, this car comes up next to me, and he pulls up. He, now from, I was wondering where it's coming from, for he got from behind me and just blammed on his horn. And until he pulls up next to me. And he's rolling the window down. He looks at me, he throws up both fingers. And then I'm cool. I'm like, I'm in the spirit. I'm playing gospel music. <laughs> I'm on my east side in worship. And this man proceeds to call me out my name. He said, you stupid Son or something, I don't know. Um, he said, man, you blankety blank, I should get out and I should whoop your tail. He didn't say tail. He used the real words. And he then went back on his horn again. I started like, sir, is there something? Is my gas cap open? Is 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 there something going on? And he looks, you blankety blank, get out of the blinking road. I should whoop again, he says, your tail. He didn't use the word tail, though. 
And so I turned my gospel music down a little bit. And I cracked the door. I don't know what happened to you, man. Lokes appeared on my face. And I was walking over to the car. I was ready for that action. He was still talking. He wasn't going back down. But I don't look at what his body's doing. I looked in his eyes. I saw, oh, he don't want that work. I could see it. Where he thought about it, where he was like, I was like, nah, I was like that when I had my gospel music on. But I'm over on the B side now. Oh, don't look away now. He didn't want that work. I could see it in his eyes. And I'm telling you, the crowd is gradually gathering. And I'm going after him. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. And he's trying all those bootleg hood tricks. He's reaching under his seat like he dropped something. And I said, by the time you pull it up, I'll already be there, homeboy. Let's stop. Stop. Don't judge my pizza. And I'm getting ready to go as he's popping the door. And I wish I could say that it was the Holy Spirit that convicted me and stopped me and led me back to my car. But it was not the Holy Spirit. It was the halo cameras. And the iPhones that started coming out of people's pockets. I'm a pastor, man. And it wasn't Jesus that stopped me. I was on the B side. It was the consequence. It was the cameras. And then I got a prophetic word. I felt the Lord give me a vision of World Star, of the shade room, of me in a jumpsuit on the cover of the Long Beach Post. Today, pastor beats the brakes off of a man over a traffic dispute. Y'all, it wasn't Jesus. I got back in my car, and with every moment I drove away, I began to feel the shame of what I was dealing with. I began to, that's when all the thoughts came, that's why nobody... There's a blinding effect for, of sin or difficulty when you're there. Nobody ever says, forgive me for I am sinning. They always say, on the ride home, forgive me for I have sinned. And then the enemy comes in. He starts playing that B-side. He says, uh, oh, yeah, you're a pastor too. Oh, yeah, put that gospel music on now. I wonder who saw you. What kind of witness are you? Yeah, you thought that was cute, that little fire trick, huh? Fire from heaven, huh? Restoring glory and watching lives change. You thought that was real cool, didn't you? Hey, but what about that? You're a hypocrite. You're not who you say you are. You're a contradiction. Playing the record over and over again. Listen, and I felt the shame and the heaviness and the weight. And I should have felt bad. 
then I began to think about it. I said, listen, what would happen if I extend the grace to myself that I extend to everybody else? Yeah, yeah. If, if you came and told me that happened to you, I would say, man, what you been through? I would say, man, you, you lost, you lost, you lost your sister-in-law. I would say, I would say, man, your, 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 your oldest daughter had a suicide attempt. I would say, man, you lost your aunt the, the, the month after that. I would say, man, you, you've been on a long journey. This didn't start in this parking lot. Man, this started, this started four years ago in the building and believing God and being stretched only to get to the finish line to realize that it wasn't 800 meters. There was another mile to go. The journey's worn you down. The journey has fatigued you. And no matter how anointed you are, no matter how godly you are, no matter how you healed and delivered through your words by the power of God, that friend who was in that circumstance, listen to me, your B-side is still here. What, what, what would I tell someone else? I realized at that moment, I needed to give myself the grace I give to everybody else. Listen, there's somebody here, there's somebody here Ah, that's a long one today, but I got to close this right. There's somebody here who you, you are, you are under, you're under the shame. You're under the weight of your B-side. You, you like the prophet, did great things for God, but you're hiding out. You like the prophet lifted everybody else's spirit, but now you're heavy. You like the prophet are disqualifying yourself because your, your B-side is manifested. And even if it's not to everyone else, you, you know what it is to feel frail. You know what it is to feel weak. You know what it is to not feel like what you just did when there was a dissonance between who you were a moment ago or what you felt a moment ago and what you feel now. The weight of the B-side. God sent me in this place to declare that there's a blessing on the B-side. God says to somebody, you assume that the blessing is on the A-side. But God says, your story ain't finished. There's a blessing on the B-side. The Bible declares that as Elijah was on his B-side, as he was hopeless in a cave after having great faith, the Bible declares that the angel of the Lord came and met him there at the B-side. It was what in theological circles they call, follow me, a theophany. There was no theophany on Mount Carmel, on the A-side. It was not until he found himself in the valley, found himself on the B-side, that the Bible declares or shows us that there was a theophany. What is a theophany? The Bible says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And in this case, when the Bible says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, it was not an angel from the Lord. 
But when the Bible says in this case that an angel of the Lord appeared for him, it was a temporary manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ in pre-incarnate form. Let me try this side. If the angel of the Lord was not Michael, it was not Gabriel, but before Mary ever birthed a son into the earth, before the foundation of the world, let us create man in our own image. Jesus was not created when he was born. But whenever we see the angel of the Lord, it is a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus before there ever was a Mary. And so here he is in the valley. And God does not send a messenger, but Jesus. God shows up himself and is there with him as he's ducking down in the cave under the juniper tree. It was a, a theophany. I came to declare to somebody, before you get back up, before they hear your A-side, before you get back to the mountaintop, this is going to get you through your valley. Know that the Lord is there. The Lord is there, even there, in the valley, in the shame, in the contradiction, in the complexity. God is right there, as the text says, with you. He's right there even there, especially there. Did you hear what I said? God is right there, even there, but especially there. There is a revelation of God you never get on the A side. There's a revelation of God that comes on your B side that you'll never get on your A side. Because when God comes and blesses, when God comes and restores on your A side, you still think a little bit that it was your good works. But when you know that you didn't deserve it, when you know that you dropped the ball, when you're too weak to pray, when you're too weak to believe, and he steps in, before he ever says anything, he comes in just to be with you. Now, I understand what the old folks meant when they said he walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me that I am his own. Not just when I'm on the A side, but he walks with me on the B side. He talks to me on the B side. He tells me this is not where you can die or will die, but you're going to get up from here and get to where you are going. Is anybody grateful that God shows up on the peace side? Hallelujah. 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 Yeah. 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 You ought to praise God for loving you when you are unlovable, for loving you when you are walking away from him. He showed up and manifested himself to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came to break a stronghold. I came to break a stronghold that said God only touches you. God only uses you. God only blesses you. God's only with you on your A side. No, the best blessing of the Lord I've ever received was on my B side. When I was on my B side, sinking, 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 sinking to rise no more. The master 
master came to see about me and lifted me back up on my feet. Touch me, people. Tell them there's a blessing. There's a blessing on the B side. There's a blessing on the B side. Yeah, I feel strength rising. I feel destinies turning. I feel somebody get back up. Getting back up again. Yes! Blessing. Yeah, 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 yes, yes. I praise God for every Mount Carmel, but I praise God for every garden. I praise God for every cave, and I praise God for every graveyard. You missed it. I praise God for Mount Carmel, Asai, where the fire falls. But the real glory of God shows up in gardens, in caves, and in graveyards. Woo! Somebody's about to get free. I praise God for every time the fire falls. But I praise God for gardens. The Bible declares when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and did what they wanted to do, when they sinned and were embarrassed and started covering up, it did not say that God left them or ran from them, but it said the foot feet of the Lord began to move toward them, began to call out to them and ask, where are you? I'm grateful that even in the garden where I mess up, God does not run from me, but he runs to me. God's best work is in gardens, but God's best work is in caves when I'm not popular and when the world has forgotten about me, but God comes to see about me and lifts me back up on my feet. The best work is in gardens, caves, and graveyards. I gotta go. But the Bible declares that when he died, he was in the tomb and he was there for three days. But after the third day, early, God, I feel this, Sunday morning, God reached in to a grave and raised our Savior to his feet. He does his best work in gardens, in caves, and in graveyards. I got to go. But he sent me to declare that he's not finished raising the dead. He's not finished lifting you back up to your feet. He's not finished resurrecting dead circumstances. He's not finished taking your B-side and causing all things to work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. Touch three people. Tell them, get up. Get up. Get up. It's not over. It's just. Arabashi. Arabashi.